Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by Halloween, the one time of year when people act like monsters and demand things of people they just met under the vague threat of something bad happening to them if they don't. Kind of like grad school, but with more candy and less crying. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and accredited monster hunter, my wife Anna. Anna's a PhD candidate studying digital health, a field where researchers ask, why does eating food restore health in video games, but give you diabetes in real life? I'm pretty sure no one is asking that. I'm asking that. Okay, fine. But I'm 99% certain that it wouldn't do anything if you had like a broken arm or something. So I've been carrying around a pork chop in my back pocket for years for nothing. So, so many questions. No time. This month, Grad School Confessional is putting a spooky spin on things with a series of episodes that explore some of the frightening sides of the grad school experience. Today's episode is the final installment in the Grad Spook Confessional series, and it's about monsters in grad school. We're talking real-life depictions of classic movie monsters. Vampires, ghosts, sirens, we got them all. It seems everywhere you look, the people you meet in grad school are acting like monsters. Well, Dr. Frankenstein did have a PhD. True. What field do you think you would have studied in? Hmm. Arts and crafts is not (laughs) like a valid doctoral field, but... Biomedical engineering. (laughs) Cognitive neuroscience. Yeah, because like biomedical and then mechanical engineering is like a... Biomechanics. Biomechanics. No, that's different. Biomechanics is something else. (laughs) You should know. You're in the... I know. I know. It's kind of like my field. But I think there's other examples of monsters in grad school, too. Like, for example, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know? One is, like, the the brainy professor, and then he, like, has an experiment go wrong or something, and then he turns into, like, a monster at night. It's kind of like two sides of one of my supervisors just, like, split up. (laughs) You don't know the premise of Dr. Jekyll. I really don't. What is the premise of Dr. Jekyll? (laughs) What? One of them's like evil, isn't it? I'm just, I'm just pulling your leg. Yeah, you're pretty much in the, in the ballpark there. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep going. (laughs) But what does it say about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde that Dr. Jekyll had a PhD, but Mr. Hyde didn't? You know, it's like he like lost it in the transformation. quote unquote big animation trying to discourage people from going into higher ed like you'll be evil and green i think (laughs) i don't i don't think you know what dr jekyll and mr hyde is is it like a chemistry experiment gone wrong Mm, okay maybe we should do some more research into these yeah given how it is our job yeah (laughs) um but then oh there's also examples of ghosts right that's like a classic thing the ghostly supervisor who, like, helps you out and then just disappears on sabbatical for a year and, like, you get nothing done. And at first it's great because you're like, oh, yeah, I have all this time and, like, there's no pressure. And then you're like, oh, wait, I have to graduate. Oh. Yeah, and I feel like some people are, like, poltergeist ghosts where, like, yeah, so you haven't talked to them for a year and then 
you know, your documents start moving around in your Dropbox folder and you're like, who's doing this? <laughs> Modified by supervisor when at three in the morning. Why? How? <laughs> yeah. And then I think other examples of ghosts are just like, you send out emails and you just never get responses or they'll be like, oh, I didn't get it. And you're like, oh, but then who was in the house the whole time? What? I mean, like who sent, you know, it's like the trope. Oh. <laughs> they were in the house the whole time or something like that. No. Um, And then, you know, zombies, classic zombies. These are the people who live off of the brains of others, shuffling around, never sleeping or tiring. So grad students, essentially. Yeah, I relate. (laughs) I feel like you're a zombie most mornings. I don't think I'm a zombie. I think I'm a raccoon. Okay. I eat trash. I have dark circles (laughs) under my eyes. Kind of pudgy and cute. I'll wreck you. Aw, you are kind of pudgy and cute. Just kidding. <laughs> We're gonna uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, no violence in the studio. <laughs> no violence in your bedroom. <laughs> we use our dog to muffle the echo. <laughs> uh, and then there's Frankenstein's monster, right? Who was like the monster of Doctor Frankenstein? Thank you for getting that correct. <laughs> Who is the real monster, though? No, but this basically society. Re- <laughs> oh God, not this again. <laughs> Society was the real villain all along. Society is a prison. Anybody <laughs> who loves Foucault. Um, um, but yeah, Frankenstein's monster is basically research participants, right? Just kind of work. experiment on them. Oh, and that's uh Yeah, okay. yeah. They're like, they don't know I what's just, happening. Okay, okay. When originally we were talking about this, I agree because you know when you start your experiment and you expect like a fairly homogenous sample <laughs> and then you get to the end and you're like, I do not have enough participants. <laughs> and so anybody goes and by anybody, I mean like the 10 friends you have in your department. <laughs> and so it's just like your samples comprise of these like random humans. <laughs> this mismatch of people. Yeah. That sounds a lot like my master's thesis. Mm. <laughs> Literally just like, I need to graduate Anyone will do. <laughs> um, and then I think I think for sure there's also bloodsuckers, right? These are the people who will try and take your project or your credit or the opportunity you have and just, like, take your hard work and make it their own, you mm. know? So, like, supervisors. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, yeah. But I mean more specifically, like, people who will... You'll work on a project or something, right? And they'll be on it, too. And then you'll you know, do something else or you'll have to step away from it for a bit and they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll finish it up for you. And they just like put themselves on it as first off and you're like, this is my work. And it's like, well, you know, I wrote it. You know what I mean? Anyway, in line with bloodsuckers, our first confession comes from a grad student who recounts a colleague who benefited from their hard work only to silently take it when they weren't looking. They write, When I started out as a grad student, my supervisor said I would collect data with someone else in the lab and we would do different analyses on this data. Thinking this would be a great collaboration and learning opportunity, we went full steam ahead on collecting data. I was then offered a second project and started working on that. I had less time for the original project and my colleague was carrying more of the troubleshooting weight for the analysis as we were both using the same technique. They mentioned this to our supervisor. I was later told that because I was not contributing enough to the original project, the other grad student would be analyzing the data for both projects. I had to come up with a brand new thesis in less than a year. Wait, this was the person's thesis? Apparently. That's rough. Like having to come up with a whole new thesis in less than a year. Like, don't get me wrong. At the end of my PhD, I definitely did two studies in basically three months. 
Um, <laughs> but it was COVID, so it was different. Yeah, and it was like nothing to be proud of. Oh, yeah, not exactly. I mean, like... Time management. Time... Uh, uh, well, again, yeah, no. I know who could predict COVID, though, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, but no, seriously, like, having your project taken from you after you've been working on it, like, we talked about this last week a little bit with authorship, right? Yeah. And how that's kind of difficult to manage. Um, but it's even when you're doing the project, right? Like, it's less clear about what division of work will still warrant authorship. Exactly. I think we also agreed last time that authorship is warranted if the final manuscript wouldn't be in the same shape that it is without this person's contribution. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if they're both using the same technique, it's not as if like one person is not doing the work here. It's just that obviously someone else is kind of helping them with kind of taking up the weight, right? I think that it's kind of dumb, though, that you just want to start another project or like you get put onto another project and you're trying to further your own, you know, graduate career and CV. Yeah. And then your supervisor's like, yeah, you're not doing anything for this one anymore though. So all the work that you did before is just like invalid. I don't know. I think there's really? two sides to every story. Okay. Come on. I can, okay. I can imagine being the other student and working on this project and being like, I'm going to be supported by my peer on this project. Right. And then when push comes to shove, this person stops supporting me with this project and like I have to do the bulk of it. Hmm. And because I am incredibly petty, <laughs> I would totally be like, this is, this is not helpful. I mean, okay, so I wouldn't take the person off the paper, but I would definitely definitely bump them down the author list right but again i guess the thing that I, okay so in most cases i would agree with you mm -hmm. but here you have to remember that this was this person's thesis i know but like and they and they were two separate projects right so like i don't know all i all i'm saying is that it feels like there's a, uh, a missing step here in communication right yeah like before you get kicked off of a project but after you obviously realize you can't commit as much time to it, there's yeah. got to be some Yeah, for sure. And there needs to be communication like, okay, well then what is the project going to look like going forth with this if I mm -hmm. can't put as much time? Like, okay, maybe you have to do more of the data collection, mm -hmm. but then I'll have time later, so I'll do more of the data cleaning. Yeah. And then we'll each do our own analyses. I currently have a project that I started a year ago. Oh, I know what this is, yeah. So like, we started writing the manuscript a year ago, and this is the realities of academia when you're trying to do these passion projects in between everything else that you're doing. Yeah. And it's not done. And this past month, I was the person who said, I will totally have time and I will totally work on this manuscript. And I did nothing. <laughs> I did nothing because more stuff came up and it was like stuff that needed to get done ASAP. Yeah. And... Yeah, I feel incredibly guilty. And now I have to tell my co-authors that I did nothing. And I feel like it, it, with you specifically, too, it, it, you know, every other week you'll be like, I need to work on my thesis. I have to get all this stuff done. Yeah. And then something else will come up, like another project or something, will, will, paper will come back or something. And you're just like, oh, no, this has to take priority. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. It's, it's rough. It's rough. But I guess you're right. Communication is definitely The takeaway message is... Update your collaborators on yeah. things that are going on. Keep them in the loop, you know? It's yeah. a group project, basically. I should have probably done this. <laughs> should have probably told people that I was swamped. <sighs> Often, the scariest monsters are the ones we don't see. 
the eerie feeling that we are being watched. This grad student remembers a time they felt like their study session was more of a horror movie. They write, This story's funny depending on how you look at it. One dark winter evening, I was studying in a lounge area that was surrounded with large windows. Someone was knocking and thinking that perhaps the door was locked, I turned around to see a man drop his pants. Shocked and petrified, I turned around quickly, waited a couple seconds, then looked back to see if he was gone. Not knowing what to do, I casually asked the guy sitting a couple tables over if he noticed what happened, and he didn't. Campus police said the man was located around campus a couple times that night, doing the same thing. Note to self, study in groups at night. Okay, question. Yeah. This, this is on my mind. Which way was the man facing? <laughs> like, knock on the door, quickly turn around, drop his pants. Like, mooning them? Like, yeah, or was it full frontal? Because that changes the rating of that movie significantly. Yeah, that does. You're right. That does, right? Because, like... I love how I'm trying to find mitigating factors for creep. Right? I'm just like, it was only a butt. The campus creep, yeah. It was only a butt. It's fine. Um, but what, what compels someone to go around and just... Like, on a dark winter evening, it's got to be cold. So you're obviously doing this when it's, like, not the ideal time to be running away in shorts or, like, where it's convenient. Like, you're pulling off your snow pants, you're pulling off your pants, you're pulling down your underwear. We're in Canada. You're getting ready. That's why you had to knock, right? You had to get ready and just... <laughs> like, can you can, we, can you come back to this window in about, you know, two minutes, give or take? It's a process. Um, it sounds like a really bad frat initiation. <laughs> like a hazing thing? Yeah. You gotta go, like... Expose yourself to people in the study lounges. Yeah, why not? Oh, oh, I don't like that. Ugh. That in itself is better than somebody individually taking initiative. You know, I suppose. Like, That's how I'm going to spend my Friday evening. It's kind of like uh, organized crime. It's like, it's worse, but it kind of feels better because it's like organized. organized. Yeah, yeah, right? At least it's not random. And you're like, oh no, something's going to happen. Yeah, you're like, at least like they're hiring people and they're providing employment opportunities and... <laughs> They have accountants. Yeah, true. True, lots of accountants. And they're like, they do laundry all the time, apparently. (laughs) They're just really clean, washing their money. Mm. Yeah, but this would be terrifying if I saw this. I'd just be like, what is happening? And I think this is one of those stories where you really... (laughs) You can emphasize the gendered experience because I, I don't know if you've spent a lot of late nights on campus, but... As a girl, mm-hmm. being on campus late at night when there aren't that many people around, it is incredibly creepy. And it also makes other people feel like it's okay to do stuff like this. Mm, and yeah. it's... I know our institution has a safe walk program yeah. where volunteers would actually just walk you from your campus to your res. But I'm a graduate student, so I don't think they're going to walk me halfway. They actually will. They actually will. They will? will? Yeah. So I was talking to some of the volunteers of this program because they were saying, yeah, they actually will walk you a fair distance. Um, Usually it's also like they'll try and match it up so that it's kind of the area they're around or they're familiar with. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they'll walk a, a ridiculous distance. Oh, that's so nice. It is really nice, right? And they always do it in pairs. And Yeah, it's just, always a guy and a girl. Yeah, and you always feel safe because they're wearing, like, the high-vis vest. And, like, I would feel a lot safer if, instead of a guy and a girl, it was a guy or a girl and a golden retriever. Hmm. Why a golden retriever? I don't know. They're comforting. I guess. But then at the same time, in, like, the event of... <laughs> or, like, or just, like, a really shaky whippet. <laughs> just, like... <laughs> or, like, a chihuahua. Honestly, chihuahuas, man. They're like alarm dogs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually what they were originally bred for. Really? Yeah, that's why they're so like angry. 
and anxious at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's always somewhere. <laughs> Must be alert. The most paranoid dog. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, have you noticed these stories are always to do with, like, men? Like, it's always the guy <sighs> perpetrating something. Like, I'm not saying that I want women to be running around, dropping their pants. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. It's not the message. It's not the story. message. But it just seems strange that, like, it's always guys. Like, what... What about the Y chromosome has this, like, built-in feature where it's like, I need to show people. I need to show people right <laughs> they now. They have to know. <laughs> hey, are you reading right now? Knock, knock, knock. Are you reading? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Isn't this great? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Nobody has ever looked out the window to that and gone like, wow, my day is significantly better. <laughs> my night. My dark winter night has just... Thank you. ...brightened. <laughs> this ray of sunshine. <laughs> uh, monsters don't always show their ugly side, though. In fact, some might not ever show it at all hiding their ill intentions in plain sight. These monsters might never be caught at all if not for a chance encounter, kind of like Bigfoot. The grad student in our final confession writes of a time they witnessed one of these rare monsters in the wild. They write, There were rumors in our center that a prof was having an affair with his student. Once, I came into work on a Saturday afternoon. I thought I was working alone in the office that day, but suddenly I start hearing noises coming from an office across from mine. I could tell right away what was happening. It sounded like two people having sex. A few minutes later, I heard people chatting in the corridor heading downstairs towards the front door. I couldn't believe it when I saw them leaving the building. I could see them from my office window. Turns out the two people were the prof and the student whose rumors I had heard about. She, the student, was an attractive PhD candidate recently married. He, the prof, was a well-known and respected researcher, married, and much older than she. I never thought that this could happen in academia. It was obvious what was going on that Saturday afternoon in the office across from mine. Fast forward a few months, the student and I are among other trainees from the department presenting at a conference. Our mentors were the ones introducing us before our talks. Naturally, he, the prof, was the one to introduce his student. I was sitting in the room thinking about that Saturday afternoon and listening carefully to him. I was very curious about what he would say. Well. I wasn't surprised to hear him say that she was, quote-unquote, the best student in the whole department who had, quote-unquote, achieved great milestones in the program, and that he was so, quote-unquote, very proud of her. She could have very well accomplished all the things he was telling the audience, and could have indeed been the best student in the department, but I suspect that most people in the audience knew about the rumors and likely had a hard time trusting his judgment. Yo, student affairs, eh? Not like, not like student affairs. I mean, like, student affairs. Yeah, student affairs. Incredibly boring. Student <laughs> affairs, however. Oh, you take away one acid and suddenly it's scandalous. Oh, I'm on a fence about this. Really? Yeah. How so? Um, because <sighs> both people are adults. Okay. And while what they're potentially doing is damaging to their respective relationships... And possibly their professional relationship. Although, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they're super productive. You know, like, bang it out and then bang out a few papers. <laughs> no, but, like, they're both adults. They're not doing anything illegal. You're not not allowed yeah. to have, a, like, intimate <laughs> relations with your PhD students. It's highly frowned upon. I guess. But I guess then it comes down to a difference between being something being legally mm-hmm. okay and something being sort of, like, morally okay and i'm not saying the fact that like two people can't have a relationship and you know potentially be whatever but it's the fact that the this almost favoritism 
And it's just the fact that it affects the rest of the relationships that that person might have in their department, you know? So it's not like these two people in a vacuum are doing this thing and it's kind of like... Yes, but you're assuming favoritism. Okay, yeah, you are assuming favoritism, but it's also like what is more likely to be happening in this scenario, right? Like this person obviously is spending more time with this student. No, it's Saturday. Yeah, this this person is spending more time with this student. Yeah, but they're not doing work. You don't know that. That's another assumption. I don't know. Okay, I have a question then. Sure. Both of us are pursuing careers in academia. Yeah. There's a good chance that we're going to be working in either adjacent departments or in the same department. Mm -hmm. And there's also a really high chance that you're going to start working there earlier than I will because, well, you're two years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So you have a power differential because you'll be further in your tenure track than I will be. Okay. And we'll probably do it in the lab. Oh, God. (laughs) But uh, but I think the key difference here... Anyone from your old lab who's listening to this, it's just going into lab and just Lysoling everything. Okay, you never do the lab, all right? (laughs) Professional boundaries. Yo, supervisor, if you're listening to this. (laughs) Professional boundaries, I swear. But I think the key difference here is that while there might be a perceived power differential between you and I if we get into the same position, ultimately, it's the same position right? This is very much trainee mentor. So it's just the fact that there is that element involved that I think makes it less okay than other things, you know? I don't know. Okay. This is my stance for this. Okay. People don't know specifically the status of other people's relationships. Sure. I've, I've literally known people for a couple of years and then found out that they were dating you. (laughs) That they were married or they had a significant other. Because some people are just private. They don't talk about that okay, stuff, sure, right? Sure. And so, like, there's this assumption. Oh, this person's married. Oh, this person's recently married. Oh, they're having an affair. They're adults. Let them figure okay, it out. Okay, okay. I get it. It's more of like a, a libertarian sort of perspective on it where it's just like live and let live. Yeah, exactly. I guess. But for me, it's it just comes down to, like, maybe there's more detail needed. But it yeah. definitely feels as if there is that element of favoritism that could definitely be a play. Like, for example, if this was somehow a paper or something, this would be like a conflict of interest you would need to disclose, right? Yeah. And so just based off that, I'm like, okay, Shark Tank, I'm out. I mean, you have to disclose uh, relationships. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, I can't be your reference, right? Yeah. For like these jobs, even though we publish like lots together and i would say that you have the best evaluation of my teaching yeah. my writing but also because we publish so much together it also like it does create an illusion of favoritism and mm-hmm. nepotism and i'm <laughs> it's gonna bite us in the ass one day it might it might or it could help us get even farther and that's what yeah. i'm kind of banking on right now yeah yeah pierre and marie curie yeah exactly i don't even remember the other guy's name like pierre curie I literally didn't know his name until you said it just now. Oh. So, there you go. No. Be Marie Curie. Get farther. Get radiation <laughs> And then die of radiation poisoning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. You've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoa Special thanks again to my co-host, Anna. Anna, if this marriage were a horror movie, which one would it be? Saw. <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> Why's that? It's just me gnawing off my leg to get out. Ah, that's encouraging. For me, it would be uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Huh. So which one am I? Oh, you're both. I'm just the guy that's watching you destroy your life in like two different ways. (laughs) Yeah, that's 
Nice. Thanks. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes so that others can benefit from our mediocre advice. Please also share us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. We're waiting for your funny, interesting, or controversial confessions. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen. Holy Ghost! No, that's my Godzilla sound. Oh, that's your Godzilla sound. I was like...